welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. How are y'all doing, everyone? I'm, of course, your host, Mark Jenez. Did I already say this? <laughs> oh, shit. If I said that twice there, I can't rewind and check. But if I literally did that, if I somehow forgot I said that once before in the span of 30 seconds, less than 30 seconds. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Early onset Alzheimer's? Can we say? We can say. Hopefully not. Get on your shit, Sonny. Get that cure out. But I am Mark Krishnez. Who you can find pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage, of course. And the site, all the good jazz, pxsausage.com. I'll get you links to everything. We'll talk about that later at the end of the show. What do you have to look forward to? on this here episode, however, is a handful of games. I don't know, I'm lost apparently. Including Wildcard Football, Red Raptor, Killer Frequency, and Unheard Voices of Crime Edition. The game is just Unheard though. That is the name of the game, I believe. And the Voices of Crime Edition is the name of the console version, and then the updated PC version, presumably, which I think adds uh, an additional case to the base game of detectiving and crime solving. Yep. <laughs> oh boy, boy. That. Activision Microsoft Blizzard deal is presumably going to be finalizing potentially after or it's already going to be done by the time you hear this which would be nice I only bring it up because I've heard on multiple times on multiple podcasts the idea that and this has been brought up too from Activision themselves saying that don't expect the Call of Duty this year or Diablo 4 to be immediately on Game Pass once the deal is over. Or that all their games are going to be on Game Pass and they'll start making that happen and working towards that in 2024. But I've seen for a little while now the idea that in the future games like Call of Duty will not be day one Game Pass releases. Presumably, I don't think, I guess they allude to this without outright ever saying it, but maybe they've outright said as well. And this is something you've seen on the Unlocked podcast on IGN and other places as well. The idea that they won't be, or specifically Call of Duty, and I think some other games too, maybe, but really Call of Duty won't be a day one Game Pass game because it's just too big. It's just too big. So if it were to be on Game Pass, that'd be shocking. But I don't understand 
that thinking. If the deal goes through, as we all suspect and expect it to, that means Activision Blizzard is now a Microsoft first party studio, publisher, whatever the fuck they are. I would assume they're in the same space as Bethesda, who is still publishing their own things, but is just under the Microsoft umbrella. But it's a first party for all intents and purposes. And in that case, why and how could the Call of Duty games not be day one releases, barring any outstanding contractual obligations that Microsoft still has to honor, like what they did with Ghostwire Tokyo, for instance, with PlayStation, where that released after the acquisition, I think, and then there was the year or so of exclusivity. Barring anything of that nature, it doesn't make any sense. It goes against the whole selling point of Game Pass, which, yes, a big part of that is just the sheer number of games available for you to play. But it's also the promise of all first-party games available day one on Game Pass. If Microsoft owns Activision Blizzard and then that makes them a first-party company, what? I, I don't. I don't understand it. I just don't understand why it's even a question. Why I even bring up the idea, the possibility? It seems ridiculous. If that were to happen, that would change everything regarding Game Pass, and you would suddenly put in so much doubt, and it takes away one of its biggest selling points because now you've open up the possibility that a first-party game could not, if it's quote-unquote big enough, if Call of Duty wasn't on Game Pass, then why would I believe The Elder Scrolls Six would be on Game Pass? You may say, well, Starfield was on Game Pass. Yes, well, Starfield was a new property. Sure, it's from the same studio. It's a mainline Bethesda game, a Todd Howard Bethesda game. But it's also a brand new property that doesn't have a long-standing fan base that's been built up over decades. So it makes sense to put that on Game Pass and get it in front of the most eyes as possible. With Elder Scrolls 6, it's a pretty fucking safe bet that that game is going to do well. You don't need to put it in Game Pass. You're going to buy it. So why do it? Because that was the promise you made. If you start going back on that, what the fuck are we even here for? Then Xbox might as well just fucking throw in the towel and say we give up. Never mind. We we, we just bought Activision Blizzard because why not before burning it all to the ground? That's enough about that. Let's get on to what I've been playing. Starting with wildcard football. This is an arcadey football game that I was... Not super excited about, but I was pretty excited about and cautiously optimistic because I really loved 
And I still love arcade sports games in general, but I really love them from the PlayStation 2 and 360 era, including F- uh, NFL Street, which is what this is the most akin to. But I was especially fond of the, I've talked about these numerous times in the past, the Midway games from the PS2 era of Slugfest, MLP Slugfest, NHL Hits. Red Card? I don't think Red Card had any relation to a specific league. I don't think it was MLS Red Card or FIFA Red Card or anything of that nature. Wasn't overly fond of Blitz the League which I believe started on the 360 era, or started in the 360 era. I don't think there was a football, an arcade football game in the PS2 era that I remember, at least. At least not Blitz-specific. But I adored Slugfest, Red Card, and NHL hits. They were so good. I wish we could get ports of them. I know there are many, many reasons why that would never happen, but they were very, 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 very good. I think the PS2 era is the peak of sports gaming because we had that. We had the NFL 2K series, which is still my favorite NFL series. Madden, Eh, it's like MLB The Show. It's just, it's the only thing there. And... We're stuck with it. We had all the good NCAA football games. I was a big, big fan of MVP baseball. FIFA, I guess, was the main thing. Maybe there was a closer competition between FIFA and... Was it called Winning Eleven then? Did it become PES or whatever it was during the 360 or last generation? I'm not a huge soccer person. But on point, back to the the main topic, which is wildcard football, I was cautiously optimistic and hopeful that it would be a return to that, a return to NFL Street, and deliver a good time. Oh, God. It is a fucking mess. Wildcard football is fucking awful. And I am basing this off of playing one match because that's all I needed to know. I have no interest in playing any more of this game as it currently is. It is fucking... It, it also doesn't matter because you can get what there is to get from a single match. You don't need to see what the campaign career mode is like because who cares when the core gameplay is as bad as it is for various reasons there's the career mode exhibition mode and online play and a season mode as well and that's all there is in terms of modes so we'll just get that out of the way but the core gameplay is awful it is so bad for one The pacing is incredibly slow. It takes forever for matches to play out because the timer is constantly pausing or giving you so much time to pick plays and deal with the systems that a minute and a half long quarter will take you five times as long, if not longer, because 
the way the timer works is if the last play was downed inbounds. So just to throw this out there, in case anyone is not familiar with football, you might be a little bit confused, in which case you should just skip to the next game because you don't care about this game anyway. Let's, let's not fool ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. If you don't care about football, you don't care about this. And you shouldn't care about this. If you like football, you shouldn't care about this. But if the last play was down inbounds and the clock is continuing for the offense, the clock will continue the, the play time until they select their play, in which case, unlike other football games where both offense and defense are selecting their plays at the same time, the offense first picks their play and then the defense gets a turn to pick their play and they don't have a short amount of time. They have their own 25 to 30 seconds to pick a play. And during that time, the clock is not going down, obviously. And that prolongs quarters and the match as a whole. And then after both teams have picked their play, that is when the wildcard selection comes into play. This is another 30 or so seconds to decide what wildcards you want to play if you want to play any which use energy that you get back after every down, I think. And this system is clunky, kind of a waste of time, and just an additional tedium that makes everything feel much slower than it needs to. But this wildcard phase is where both teams pick wild cards that they have in their hand you can throw some out and draw some more if you want but these are cards that give you various abilities like increased speed increased strength you can do the same to your opponents you can decrease your speed decrease their strength there are more over the top power-ups that you have to initiate during a play that allow you to turn into a giant and just smash over the opponents or add bumpers pinball bumpers to the playing field if you're on defense to make it harder for the offense to try and navigate the field if they were successful in their play and it's a kind of neat system but it doesn't really add that much to any of the matches, especially when so many of the cards are just faster, stronger, better, daft punkier. And that just, again, prolongs the duration of plays and quarters and games. Then the actual gameplay is somewhat fast and plays usually end up happening and ending fairly quickly then you go on to this long drawn out play picking wild card picking again and because of that economy that contrast of short plays but long play pre-play settings whatever 
it, it just makes the whole thing feel incredibly slow. But on top of that, the gameplay, one, I'd say that run plays are kind of shitty. Passes are the way to go. The AI is pretty fucking stupid. So it's easy to just run all over, pass all over, walk all over, destroy the opposing team if you're playing against a computer. And then the most baffling thing of all, one, after every big play by the offense or defense, you are treated, quote-unquote, treated with a two to three second animation. Maybe it's a little shorter than that, but it feels like two to three seconds. But you're treated to this animation of the player who performed well, who, who, who did the good play of them celebrating their play, their good performance. And you cannot skip this. You cannot skip it, nor can you lower the frequency of these animations or turn them off in the settings. They are there, and you're going to fucking have to like them because you can't do anything about them. You just have to watch them. And while it may not seem like a lot, a few seconds, it's it, be, it, it fucking adds up when you have to see them over and over and over again. The most baffling thing of all is this is a football game. And it is a traditional football game in terms of play calling and well, you have limited number of plays because it's an arcade game. They don't want to overwhelm you with a barrage of various types of plays and whatnot. But it is traditional in the sense that you have your four downs and kicking and punting is still very much so a thing. It's not a game where punting doesn't exist and you're just trying to go after a first down or turnover on downs. Which I say because the offense has a punt option. When it's fourth down and you don't think you can convert or you're not in field goal position and you want to punt it, you have that option. If you are on defense, there is no punt return play. If you want to fucking position yourself to punt return, you have to pick a fucking defensive play that has one of your backs, one of your safeties, presumably, far enough in the midfield or wherever so that they can get into position to return the punt, to return the kick. If you aren't paying attention and select a blitz or something where all your players are up front, that's going to be a bit of a problem. The fact that there is not a punt return option is mind-blowing to me. I don't understand how that oversight is there. But that was or to me that is the most glaring 
example of everything wrong with this game and how it is just not thought out in various ways and is just a fucking mess. The fact that the teams are based off of quarterbacks is a little bit weird. And I'm assuming since they are all real quarterbacks, you got their names, you got their likenesses. I'm assuming that they had some say in the matter. They were spoken to at some point. Did did they choose their team colors? Because they're not related to... Is it because they're based on the quarterbacks and not their actual teams? Because they're all fake teams. They're, they're The teams are Team Rogers, Team Fields, Team Burroughs, etc. Is it because they're not the Chicago Bears or the New York Jets or the Cincinnati Bengals? Is it because of that that the colors of these various players are not the colors of their actual NFL teams? Because it's a little bit weird. Some of them are barely close to their real-life counterparts, their real-life teams. But then you have someone like Aaron Rodgers, who, I mean, I, I'm sorry, Jets fans. He, he would have been playing for y'all, but, you know, shit happens. But his colors are not green and white. They're nowhere near green and white. They are instead pink hot pink, dark gray, and white. Did he pick those colors? Did the developers pick those colors? Is he a big fan of pink? I like pink. But I'm just wondering how they landed on the various colors for these players and their teams. But then the rest of the gameplay is just fucking whatever. The... On-screen arcade action isn't over-the-top enough. You have your big hits, which aren't super exciting. I, at no point ever, saw a player fumble the ball. I got one interception. There should be more crazy things going on. The fields are pretty standard and boring. It's just... It's, it's so bad. Such a disappointment. Gameplay, when you're actually in the game, not not super fun. Wildcard system, kind of interesting, kind of neat conceptually in practice, is just this extra clunky thing that doesn't add a lot to the actual game in most cases, to the, to the plays in most cases. And then the whole thing is just bogged down and slowed down by constant stopping of the clock for allowing this and that. And it's just, it's not good. Do not recommend, sadly, as much as it pains me to say. That's wildcard football. Next, we have Red Raptor, which is a vertical scrolling schmup that is pretty bland and forgettable. The first area is poorly designed in that one of the things you're doing, and the way the game works is only the campaign is unlocked at first, the arcade mode is locked, and you have to get through it to 
unlock that arcade mode and one of the things you're doing is collecting coins which you can then use to upgrade your ship for future runs so you can make your guns more powerful add more projectiles give yourself some more health etc and one of the weird things about the first area is that coins are gold as you probably expect They're, that's the usual color of coins in games but then the enemy projectiles are also pretty much gold so when there is this mess of projectiles and coins on screen it's not super clear what you should be avoiding and what you should be collecting you don't have to worry about collecting the coins because they just get automatically sucked to you but that means they're coming at you in the same way at the same point that all these bullets are coming after you and you have to just try and avoid everything thankfully that's just a first area thing and the second area i believe the projectiles are purple so it's not a constant problem but that was something that immediately stood out then the ship movement of your ship it's not entirely smooth so it feels a little bit clunky to move your ship around the screen but more so than that the gameplay the shooting the enemies it's all pretty bland uninspired design dull boss fights dull environments one of the things that is usually a sound on games like this is the music and I do not remember the music at all I'm trying to think back on what it was and I cannot think for the life of me what the music sounded like on top of that the life system you start off with the ability to take two hits before losing your life and you start off the campaign default with three lives there is no great on-screen indicator of when you lose a life you don't after taking two hits see your ship explode and then they fly back on screen you lost any power up you had you're not powering up your weapon by getting little power ups through the through killing enemies you just get an additional weapon a la something like Contra where you'll get a spread shot or a, an extra powered bullet or uh, lasers additional lasers something along those lines and you keep those throughout when you lose a life you're not losing anything because losing a life doesn't look any different than just taking a regular hit and this made it so that I would end up with game overs, not even realizing I was at the point of being close to game over. And because there's no great on-screen indicator of even when you get hit, when you get hit or lose a life, there's just, it's easy to completely miss that information. And that is frustrating that there's no great on-screen indicator controller integrator no vibration there's nothing so it's hard to keep track of that when there's a lot going on screen but it's 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 whatever it's it's a, a game that you'll play through a few times probably just through the campaign and then never touch again 
because you'll have all the achievements by then and you'll be good. You'll be done upgrading your ship so that enjoyable enough loop because that, that's the one draw for me was just collecting the coins so that I can improve my ship and then get further in runs. That was fun enough because I enjoy leveling up and that kind of stuff. But outside of that, it's just a very bland shmup. Vertical scrolling shmup. Then we have Killer Frequency. That was again Red Raptor. All one word. Red. Capital R Raptor. But next up is Killer Frequency. This is a pretty interesting game set in the 80s, I believe, where you play as a late night radio DJ who gets a call from your local police force. You are in a small town. You yourself were a former DJ for, I believe, a Chicago radio station. So you were from the big leagues and for some reason you are now down in the minor minor minors of a small town where you average 35 listeners a night and you were used to getting 5 million you like to bring up but during this night you get a call from the local authorities that the sheriff is dead the deputy is wounded or is wounded during the process of the call and you are required you are needed to take the role of 911 operator and take incoming calls because there's no one else to do it and you being a radio DJ have experience doing that taking calls and talking to people and why this is the case is because there's a serial killer on the loose the whistling man who was someone who was killing people ooh, 25 or so years ago in the game's world I think they killed a dozen people and then presumed dead but now they're seemingly back and with this tasks you have to do of playing 911 operator the core gameplay of killer frequency is taking calls and helping people successfully avoid getting killed by this serial killer so when the sheriff calls you or the I'm assuming she's another deputy or she's just no she's the operator, I think. And when she calls you, she's dealing with the killer. So you have to give her some advice. She can't use her. Why did her car not work? But you have to get the keys to the to one of the, the cop cars. And then you have to get her a weapon. And then she gets to the, the lockup. Do you tell her to take a taser, some pepper spray, a baton? Oh, this gun. Oh, it's out of ammunition. Stuff of that nature. But then you have another person who calls who is running to her car, but she dropped her keys on the way there. And you have to help her hotwire her car so that she can get away. 
Then you have another case where an office worker, the, the killer's there, and you have to help him escape. But to do so, you have to get a layout of his office area and call various phones to lure the killer so that he is lured to another room while this other person goes to other rooms uh, in hopes of escaping. And then you have to do some other distraction stuff. And it's this very neat game where part of it feels like a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure because in presumably every instance, the killer can succeed and kill these people. I don't think there is a game over where if you success or unsuccessfully help people enough times, the game is just like, well, you fucking suck at this job. Start over. Get better. Jesus Christ. You, you, I mean, you're worse than the killer. You're practically working with them with how bad you are helping these people out. But in my time so far, I've not lost anyone. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. Don't want to lose anymore. But it's a really cool idea of talking these people through their situations and doing what you can to help them. You're initially locked to your DJ room, but as the game progresses, the area that you're able to explore opens up and you have to do things like with the person in the office room to get a map of the area, they draw one out for you and then they fax it to you. Then you have to go to the office room, pick up the fax, and then you use that and the extensions of the phone lines to help them out as well as get information from the map, like where the fax machine is, because they don't tell you what room they're in to begin with. You have to figure out that, okay, they just sent me a fax. There's only a fax machine in the boardroom, so that is where they are to, to begin that area. And with the lady who is needing help hotwiring her car, you have to find something that'll help you in that case and you have to find the magazine from the car enthusiasts the host of the car enthusiasts show that has an article a two-page spread on hot wiring a car if you need to and then you have to talk her through it and get her to provide you with the information you need so that you don't give her the wrong information so she, she can successfully hotwire her car. And it feels, and that one specifically, and, and both of them, it kind of feels like those games where one person, and this is funny in just the sense that, one, this was originally a VR game. It was designed for VR, which is part of the problem or it's it becomes a bit of a problem in terms of the way the game actually works and plays out and the the core gameplay of it of what you're actually doing but it reminds me of games like keep talking nobody explodes or the game i talked about was it last episode was it escape room 2 that is that is no escape plan 2 but those games where one person has to do something while another person talks them through it but instead of doing this with another person, you're just doing it with these NPCs. 
However, because it was originally designed for VR, it is a kind of boring setup from a gameplay standpoint because you're spending most of your time in this DJ room and you're just listening to people talk. And then you are moving through a handful of dialogue choices that will progress their situation, the story, and so on. But from an actual gameplay standpoint, you're not doing a whole hell of a lot. You will, as I uh, said earlier, you will at times have to leave the room to go collect something, but you're really just leaving the room to go to another room to pick something up and then return. And because in most cases, outside of certain times where your dialogue choices, you have a limited time to pick one of them, and those could be the difference between life and death for the people on the, the line, outside of those few situations, there is no sense of urgency. So when I, I, I feel like the tension, there'd be a little bit added to the game if when you take an initial call, a timer was not, not on screen, but a timer was playing out because with the lady who needed help riding the car, she lost her keys and then I had to go find the book to help her out. And I could have taken as long as I wanted to get that book and return and take her call. And it would have been fine. And that is just an example of how there is this lack of urgency so that I don't feel as concerned with these people's lives because I, I don't want them to die, but at the same time, I don't feel like I am on the clock. I feel like I can take my time for the most part. Because in many cases, too, the dialogue option, it'll just sit there and let you honor what you want to say when you're going through the hot wiring, giving her the information and getting her to provide you with the information you need so that you can give her the correct information, those aren't timed. So there isn't a sense of urgency there either. You can take as much time as you need to figure to figure out what you have to do. And that really cut the tension there so that I wasn't really concerned about her and her safety because it was pretty straightforward. I was not going to give her the wrong information and I was under no time limit that would potentially lead to me making a, a screw up to me missing something because I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to tell her anything. So I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's this one. Oh shit. Gave her the wrong information. Now she screwed up. Can't get away. Killer gets her. She's dead. So I think that is something they could have tweaked, but because it was initially a VR game, the gameplay is pretty lacking and the precision required for doing some of your actions, because you're a DJ, you're constantly putting records on. Which it, it seems weird to still be putting up this act of playing DJ, so you're still putting on records in between calls and putting on commercials. You, you, you'll get some people that, or you'll get some stuff that comes in from outside that is ominous. You'll get an ad that has you and it's just weird you know, what's going on because clearly the killer is listening to your broadcast 
I mean, or somebody is. Because I have not finished the game. But it seems weird. If the killer is listening to your broadcast, then they fucking, they would, they would know what you're doing. So that that's, it can't be, it's not the killer who's listening to your broadcast. Just realize I'm like, that, that wouldn't make any fucking sense. Why, uh, why is the killer not listening to your broadcast? Why are you still broadcasting? Because you, I'm not sure if when you're, maybe when you're taking the calls, the producer takes them off air. That would make sense. In in terms of, you don't want to give away. I there there may be some plot holes here, but I, despite all that, really like the game for one specific reason. I mean, I like the I like the the core gameplay or the or the, the the way you are. I like taking these calls and helping people out even if the gameplay is lacking from a actual input standpoint or whatever you want to say but why the game works and why I kept playing and will keep playing is because of the strength of the writing and performances the voice acting is great it is very 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 good and for the most part the writing is pretty good there is some cringy-ish you have a weird personality lady with your jazz running and whatever the fuck you're going on about for the most part the writing is where it should be and more so than that the voice acting is very very good and it's because of that that I wanted to keep playing It, it, it kept me interested kept me engaged and I had a really good time with the with what I've played so far and I am looking forward to playing more though there is a, a little bit lost in translation in terms of gameplay from VR to regular but at the same time super happy we have this option of being able to play a game that was designed for VR not in VR I'd like to see more of that happen for instance, I think, and I, I think, especially with this game, you could easily, maybe not, I would say easily, as, as the dumb non-developer I am, port these to non-VR, put the fucking Moss games out in a regular version. It's a third-person action-adventure game. I think there are certain ways in which it's designed that it would be a little weird that you might have to... But, come on. Those games are cool. And that mouse is cute. And I want to play him. But that's Killer Frequency. I think it's pretty cool. And on a similar note, we have Unheard Voices of Crime Edition, which is another mystery type of game where you play a detective who is able to... explore cases... And I can't remember how the tech works if it's something you are figuring out pre-crime, post-crime. But the way Unheard works is that you get this over-the-top look at this layout of a, a floor plan, essentially. It could be an art gallery, an office space, whatever. 
And what you're doing is watching a scene play out. Could be five, could be 10 minutes. And you're looking at all these very simplistic 2D visuals of characters, not even the characters, just these little circles that'll vibrate when they're talking, moving around the space over the course of this thing, having conversations, providing you with information, etc. And you have this scene play out, but you are controlling your little in-world avatar, and you're only able to hear the, the conversations of those within your immediate vicinity. So what you have to do is constantly rewind and fast forward through this scene from various parts of it. So you may follow two characters who were having a conversation initially, and then you rewind and follow another character and so on and so forth. And this is a really neat idea and it kind of works, but it also becomes more and more tedious the longer the scenarios are the longer the the little things are and and, and then the more characters you have to deal with because the initial phase of all of these crimes that you're trying to figure out is the who the fuck are these people stage where you have to match all of these various not even silhouettes they're just these circles i i don't know how else to but these these very circles with their respective name. So you're going through, following all these various circles, putting the names to them. And once you get that done, then you have to figure out exactly what is going on. So with the art gallery case, you have to figure out who initially stole the painting and who had the painting at the end of the scene and how you do that is by first finding out who the fuck everyone is and then following their conversations figuring out who has it who had it and making sure you have the right information if you get the wrong information the scene resets but all the names stay in place which is nice but it also means there's, there's not much of a penalty for falsely or for getting the case wrong, which, like in, I forget what game I played recently that had that same thing, it does take away a bit of the, whoa, God, I better make sure I get this right, because if I get it wrong, there's going to be some kind of penalty, no penalty, which can be nice or can be, depending on your your take on that, can take away any real stress to the stress or challenge to the, the, the situations. But with that art gallery case, you had to figure it out. And it was, it was a little fun in the end because I initially screwed it up, not realizing or not really thinking the whole thing through in that I picked the person who initially stole the painting and then the person who had it at the end except I forgot the fact that the person who had it at the end was stopped by security and they got into a confrontation with the security guard and eventually was just like fucking here just take the fucking painting I'm out of here I don't I don't want to deal with this it's not worth it so 
Actually, the security guard had the real painting in the end, which is something I didn't realize. I didn't put two and two together the first time I was picking the two options. That was a little fun. But as neat as it is of an idea, it does start to become tedious, especially when you're, you start dealing with a dozen plus characters in these various scenes of five to 10 minutes. And you're just watching these scenes play out over and over and over again. Yes, you are seeing them play out from different, through different perspectives, through different characters, from different parts of the environment. And you're getting new details each time. But it's still the same thing that is just after time. It it becomes, all right, I'm, I'm a little sick of this scene. And you, at least with me, I was with every single scenario, every single crime that I dealt with, by the time it was, I had figured out what was going on and was able to complete them, I was more than ready to move on to the next case. I was more than ready. And what's a little annoying, a little bit of a slap in the face, is that when you complete the case successfully, you are then shown a little recap type video that you cannot skip. (laughs) What is with these games and having these things you can't skip? That was a little bit annoying. But ultimately what kills Unheard for me is the voice performances. Since this is sort of like killer frequency in many ways, a lot of it is based off of the, or a lot of the game is based off the voice performances and hearing these characters divulge their information and then all of that. And unlike Killer Frequency, the voice acting in Unheard is, for the most part, not that good. And in some cases, pretty fucking awful. With a lot of over-the-top performances that are ridiculous caricatures that are not fun to listen to, are just annoying. Like in the art gallery scene, for instance, which is has one of the worst versions of this. You have the the artist who is a Frenchman, I'm guessing, because their voice was very, oh, oh, oh oui, 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 I am an artist. I like uh, the drink of the wine and make it a painting. <laughs> but it, it's on that level. It, they're, they're not, the, the, the gamut is wide. They're all over the place in terms of performances. Some are okay, then some are, uh, you're 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 adding you're putting on a little bit thick there, and then some of them are of that French caricature nature, which is just really hard to listen to. And because of that, it does make dealing with these scenes and these characters and having to listen to them repeatedly and go back and forth and rewind and scrub through these scenes. It can make that whole experience more frustrating and tedious and annoying than they should be which is unfortunate because i really like the idea conceptually i think i like it more than killer frequency but because killer frequency has those really strong performances pulling you in and keeping you invested it ends up being the better experience it's just it's a a much more polished game but also unheard, I think, is only ten dollars. It's not. It's not a long game either. 
So I think I think in both cases, killer frequency and unheard, if either of them or both of them sound like interesting ideas to you, I would recommend checking them out. Of course, don't check out Wildcard Football. Red Raptor, who gives a shit? I mean, Red Raptor's fucking, it, de- it defined whatever forgettable schmuck. But Killer Frequency and Unheard both have their weak spots. But ultimately, I think they're both worthwhile experiences. Which is nice. It's nice to have those. But if I had to pick one, I would pick... If if I could only, or you only wanted to pay, play one of them, I would pick Killer Frequency. So it is... 25 or 30 dollars there is a significant uptick in price so if you just want to pick something on the cheaper side unheard worthwhile experience it has its issues but it's still a cool little game but that is it in terms of what i've been playing so that will do it for this here episode of the pixelated sausage show once again i am markers Ness. y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at px sausage if you enjoy this here show or any of the stuff I do and what have you, you can support me and my nonsense over at patreon.com slash PXS. Please join. Help us get to double digits. And then who cares? We hit that milestone. We're like, yeah, woohoo. All right, all right. But you know, it's there if you want. You get access to a fancy schmancy Q&A every week unless there aren't enough questions then you have to wait an additional week but if you keep asking questions there's no limit to the number of questions you can ask so there's no reason why people should ever not ask enough questions but people tend to just forget life happens but you get access to that that's a good time maybe hopefully I don't know I always assume that I just like it offend people in it because I'm me. But you get access to that. As well as other poo-poo and, and nonsense as well. But in addition to the Patreon. If you'd like links to the site. The YouTube. The Discord. And so on and so forth. You can find all of those over at pxsausage.com. Yay. <laughs> but that that's that's all the information you need. There's something I want to go off of the Patreon. Something I don't want to talk about at that point that I completely forgot about so I'm just going to end the show again as always thank you for watching or listening I hope you enjoyed this here episode oh no I want to say if you haven't already new episode of Attack the Backlog went up this past weekend and if you want to know what an episode a lot of these latest ones have been very last minute. Obviously, I think it's pretty obvious. But if you want to see slash hear what an episode of Attack the Backlog looks slash sounds like, when I write, edit, record, not in that order, write, record, edit an episode five hours before posting it, That's that's The Walking Zombie 2. Which is probably why there are a bunch of Hummer and Skeet 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 jokes in it. You may be saying, what? Exactly. But again, as always, 
Thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode and I hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day, a lovely rest of your week, and a wonderful weekend. But for now, adios. Uh, Riva Bye. <laughs>